Hiya, it's the Concrete Rose Sunny Kiss here, and I'm asking you to go ahead and tune in to the Wrestling Purists. They're on all streaming platforms for podcasts. They talk all things wrestling. And you know, if I'm endorsing it, you know it's Sunnylicious. So go ahead and check out the Wrestling Purists. You won't regret it. Mwah. Welcome back to another episode of the Wrestling Purist Podcast. My name is Ryan, one half of the titular Wrestling Purists. Uh, before we get started, thank you, Sunny Kiss, for the wonderful endorsement. You can find Sunny Kiss on Twitter at SunnyKissXO. While you're on Twitter, head over to our Twitter page. That's at the WP underscore pod. That's at TWP underscore POD. Uh, all of our links to everything else is there. Check us out on TikTok at TWP underscore TT. We use that to live react to whatever we're watching, um, whether it be, unfortunately, NXT 2.0, Dynamite, Ram, uh, Rampage, anything of the sorts. Um, you can check everything out there. If you want to see how I've reacted over the last couple of weeks to... Uh, such events as uh, Walter being renamed uh, to Mickey James being announced for the Rumble. You can find those uh, TikToks there. Um, and obviously, you are listening to this on either Apple or Spotify or Amazon or Google. Uh, but if you're not, you can head on over to our PodServe page. Uh, that is on our Twitter page, you get the link there, go there, uh, and we are on a, a plethora of other streaming sites. Now to get moving with the episode here, uh, obviously you've clicked on it so you know what we're doing today. This is my 2021 end of year awards. Now, the original plan for what I was going to do was it was going to be a three-part episode. Um, it would be Specific awards for AEW, WWE, and then Impact Wrestling. Um, because as much as I want to uh, give respect to, uh, to, to New Japan, uh, I, I haven't been as active this year watching it as I have been in previous years. It would be a disservice. Um, I will throughout... Uh, maybe give some honorable mentions. Um, I I have watched a good amount of New Japan. Let's not you know get it twisted. It's just to to make an end of year awards uh, for that and include them and not know what I'm talking about. It, it, it would be a disservice to everyone. So I left it out. I also felt as though it would be a disservice uh, to leave Impact Wrestling out of this. Uh, I believe that Impact Wrestling has had one of the better years of recent memory. I feel uh, that the Forbidden Door, always swinging, helped them out just a little bit. Uh, so I definitely do not want to sleep on them. So instead of the three-part series that I was going to do, what I have decided to do, uh, since by now... And I believe it's already hit um, bookshelves in stores. We are going to go category by category with the PWI awards. Um, I'll give you my thoughts. And if there's somebody that I think uh, is missing off of the list, I'll, I'll add them. Because I definitely think that there are some on here that um, there are some talent that have been omitted I also want to add, how many do I have here? Oh, I have, I have 14 additional categories. That sounds like a lot. Um, but we're going to breeze through this. This is going to be a lot of fun, I think. And now that we're already in a couple weeks of 2022, um, I think that this is, um, I think this is really good. So we're going to start right off with it. Hot and heavy. Wrestler of the year. My only, gripe about the wrestler of the year um the last two years they have 
included women in it. Now, before you swipe out, before you give me a thumbs down or a one-star review, okay, I, I don't necessarily agree with there being a woman of the year category and then a wrestler of the year category. Okay, I think if you want to be inclusive, you make wrestler of the year and be done with it. Okay, if you want to give the women their own category, that's fantastic. Also, and don't get me wrong, I I love I love professional wrestling. I enjoy women's wrestling. I enjoy men's wrestling. Okay, um, and I'm gonna get to a big gripe here uh, when I cross that bridge here in just a few moments. But looking at uh, the rest of the year, um, and they do what, what PWI does, they have a winner, and then the three runner-ups. Uh, so the winner, Kenny Omega, and the three runner-ups being Roman Reigns, Bianca Belair, and Big E. Uh, my big gripe with this is not having Brian Danielson on this list. Um he main evented WrestleMania. He had probably one of the best SmackDown matches of the year with Roman Reigns before his departure to AEW. Since he's been in AEW, he's probably the best wrestler. Yeah, 100%. Kenny Omega, no disservice to him. He was, he represented, um, himself in AEW, Impact Wrestling, AAA. Hell, he was even the champion of all three of those promotions. And I think doing that and going through the laundry list of injuries that he was wrestling through and is now taking time off to get some self-care, uh, I think he is a fantastic winner. I do think Roman Reigns is right behind him. This is the best work he's done in his career. I think that the fans are responding the way that they should to him. And we'll, again, we'll get to that here in a little bit. And then Bianca Belair and Big E. Big E's had a, had a great year. Um, I would replace him with either, um, Hangman Adam Page or Josh Alexander. Josh Alexander's had a tremendous 2021. I think he would be a tremendous, uh, replacement for this category. So, and this is not to disservice Bianca Belair. I think you lay gender aside their bodies of work together. Kenny Omega, Roman Reigns, Big E, Hangman Adam Page, Josh Alexander, Brian Danielson, Bianca Belair. One of these things is not like the other. And we're not talking about gender. Bianca Belair's work, I would say the first third of the year from winning the rumble to wrestlemania even a couple weeks past post wrestlemania and yeah yeah it was a fan it was a fantastic start to the year but since um hasn't had credible opponents hasn't had great matches um i can name you at least one great match that each of the other men that i've just mentioned has had Hell, Brian, Brian Danielson, since being in AEW, has had a, according to Dave Meltzer, has had a five-star match with Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega. <laughs> but yet, yeah, let's not put him on this list. Why? I don't understand. But I just don't think it's warranted. Now, moving to the woman of the year and... I'm bringing this up because Bianca Belair here in the men's category, or sorry, in the wrestler of the year category is second runner up. So you would think that she would be the obvious clear choice for PWI to be crowned their woman of the year. She is the runner up of the award <laughs> with the woman of the year being crowned Britt Baker. Okay, that's Dr. Britt Baker, DMD uh, from AEW, followed by Belair, followed by Mickey James, and then Deanna Perrazzo. Now, this is obviously um, a sore topic for me. Uh, I'm a huge Deanna Perrazzo fan. 
I love her in-ring work, love her character work. Uh, I think her 2020 was just slightly better than her 2021. I think uh, having Mickey James in front of her, I think is kind of uh, kind of a jaded opinion. And here's why I say that. Uh, they classify their woman of the year as being the best female professional wrestling personality of the year. If you take the whole year into, into take here, you, you put Peraza in front of Mickey James. Mickey James, since August, probably has earned this spot. Um, she, she helped, uh, get get, uh, get the Empower event together. Uh, she's been uh, she she's been on NWA programming. She's been she's been in Impact Wrestling. She's the current Impact Knockouts Champion. I don't think if we're talking about Woman of the Year, you put Mickey James there. Um, I would rather see somebody like Thunder Rosa there, who is not. In this top four that they have, I think uh, I think Thunder Rosa has been um, in multiple promotions. She even opened the Forbidden Door and has been an impact. She has been across a multitude of independent promotions. She put on arguably the match of the year, uh, which we will get to here in just a little bit. But to but to put Mickey James here ahead of Thunder Rosa is saying. You value the inactivity of Mickey James the first part of 2021. And you're saying that Mickey James from August to December 31st is better than Thunder Rosa January to December. And that's why I take a big problem with this. Britt Baker being num- number one, I, I it's fine. If you're going to put Bianca Belair, though... As second runner-up for the quote-unquote wrestler of the year category, she damn well better be the winner of the women's award. It takes away all of the prestige of of the women's award, and it and it kind of slights Bianca, uh, Bianca Belair here a little bit. I am not saying by any means that Bianca Belair is a better in-ring performer or an in-ring talent. Or overall talent than 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 Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Uh, it's if you're gonna value her that highly, you need to put her ahead of you need to put her ahead of Britt Baker. Moving on to the next category, it is the tag team of the year, and burn through it here. We got the Young Bucks at. Uh, winning the category for them, followed by the Lucha Brothers, the Usos, and the New Day, uh, who hasn't been a tag team all year, pretty much. They've been on the same brand. They've had some tag team matches. Um, why isn't FTR on this list? Why aren't I? I <laughs> um, be uh, before I recorded. Um, I asked a buddy of mine, you know, what what he thought of some of these, and immediately said, "Well, why aren't the Briscoes, you know, involved in the tag team of the year?" I said, "Because because Ring of Honor's been dying this year, a slow, painful death, and I <laughs> this is FTR not being on here is the biggest issue for me. I think they replaced the New Day at the very least." Uh, I think I think that the Usos is a part of the bloodline has been a nice addition to SmackDown. I think the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers put on one of the best matches of the year. We will get to that in, in just a minute. But only problem here is that there's no FTR. Moving on to the new award for the year, it's the Faction of the Year. Uh, the winner being the Inner Circle, runner-up being the Elite, then the Bloodline, then Bullet Club. I think your um, as far as factions go, um, I think I think your pickings there are slim and none. I think this is a fine decision. I think the order I would um, I would I would agree with. Yeah. All right, match of the year time. 
The one that they have chosen for match of the year is from March 17th, St. Patrick's Day Slam, AEW, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD versus Thunder Rosa. It was the unsanctioned lights out match. I will say it is my second favorite match of the year. Um, I do have some honorable mentions. Um, we talked about the Young Bucks and, and the Lucha Brothers, the, the tag team cage match from All Out. That was fantastic. Um, let's talk about Josh Alexander versus TJP. Uh, I think people forget about this match because not only was it in June, but it was on Impact, started on BTI, and then finished on on the weekly program, which I thought was a fantastic decision. I think you show it for free, and then, oh, you want to watch it? Okay, come and watch the program. I think that's fantastic. Um, but my... But ultimately, my favorite match of the year is Walter, and I'm calling him Walter. Um, well, and for this episode, I'll call him Walter. Um, so it's going to be Walter versus Ilya Dragunov from TakeOver 36, the final TakeOver. There's no more TakeOvers, which is unfortunate. Um, both of these matches, um, this, um, uh, the Unsanctioned Lights Out match and the uh, UK Championship match, I think, are inter interchangeable. Um, I do think the purest in me gives um, the match from TakeOver the bump. Uh, not only because I enjoyed it just a little more, um, the light top match doesn't count. It doesn't count towards win, wins, losses. It essentially didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> and for those of you like, oh, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, well, that, well, that doesn't make any sense because it happened. And my point to you is that I'm a, I, I'm a purist and I'm a realist. And if it didn't happen, there's no winner, there's no loser. Then it didn't happen. Now, it, it's probably no. Scratch that. It is the best women's match of 2021. Probably the best women's match we've seen in a while. Uh, but I do give the bump here uh, to Walter and Ilya Dragunov. So let's next go to the feud of the year. Uh, so we'll burn through those. Okay, the winner that they gave the award to was Chris Jericho versus MJF, followed by Bianca Belair, Sasha Banks, Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker, Edge, Roman Reigns. Um, so I have two that you can add on to this. Um, I think the ongoing feud between Hangman, Adam Page, and Kenny Omega, you can even expand that to the Dark Order versus the Elite. Um, I think it was fantastic. And then for it to culminate at full gear. And then Seth Rollins versus Edge. They've had um, a tremendous back and forth here. I think that Seth Rollins' over-the-top persona that he's kind of developed here. Uh, and then Edge's kind of veteran... I would I would venture to say veteran veteran hubris here because he's like I've done this before I've done what you've done I've done this I've done that and then for it to culminate so we think with the steel with with the Hell in a Cell match at Crown Jewel I thought was a nice uh, cherry on top of the feud Sunday that's what Hell in a Cell is supposed to be for and allow me to go on a tangent here for just a second. The Hell in a Cell match is designed for feud enders. It is not a pay-per-view, even though it actually is. Um, <laughs> it is designed, the Hell in a Cell structure is designed to end feuds. You having it in September, October, you know, and just throwing people in a cell, it doesn't build anything. So, I thought that Rollins and Edge's match at Crown Jewel was one of the better Hell in a Cell matches we've seen as of late, and I'd say in the last couple of years. Um, so, just to curtail this here a little bit, um, 
I will follow up with the worst feud of the year, and that would be Naomi versus Sonya Deville on SmackDown. I don't care about Naomi. Uh, Sonya Deville's character is just a little too cartoonish for me. Uh, I don't know how this is going to play out. Probably a night one um, third match on the card, uh, WrestleMania match, uh, where Naomi will go over and then she'll lose um, the uh, women's title shot that she gets because of it. Um, but I just don't think Naomi's that good. Uh, there are a lot of people that like live and die that that Naomi is one of like the best women's workers that WWE has, you know. And you know, it, I haven't been a fan for a while. Okay, when we had the brand split in 2016, and then she would have uh she would have a championship run. I didn't enjoy it. Um, I think that her character is. Is, is just not good. Nobody cares about the glow. Nobody cares that you hit people with your ass. Okay? Just just stay in your lane. Okay? Take that for what you will. Moving on to the most popular wrestler of the year. Um, they gave the award to CM Punk. Followed by... Hangman Adam Page, then Big E, then Bianca Belair. I will say this, not to slight CM Punk here, but I think just based on duration within the company, I think that Hangman deserves it over CM Punk. Now, with CM Punk's return to professional wrestling in August, um, he is probably the most popular wrestler Um but if I'm doing it and it's based on duration, Hangman gets the bump for me. Big E and Bianca Belair are on there, and I do not mind it at all. Most hated wrestler of the year award now. Scrolling down. Uh, the winner of this category was MJF. Followed by Roman Reigns, Kenny Omega, and Baron Corbin, also now currently known as Happy Corbin. Um, God, I hate... All right, I was, let me rephrase here, because I'm getting ahead of myself. I think that the lone wolf Baron Corbin is the best Baron Corbin we've gotten, okay? Um, Applebee's manager, Constable Corbin, eh, it was fine. Uh, and then he had Depressed Corbin, um, which I would have been... Kind of excited to see. Um, I think there are a lot of different ways uh, that you can go about doing a storyline like that. And then now you have Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss, and they're making dad jokes in the ring that, frankly, aren't very good. Okay, it, I would rather Baron Corbin fully turn, destroy Madcap Moss, go back to Lone Wolf Baron Corbin. Because look at where we are. Okay, we went to we went from Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal winner to making dad jokes with an, with your own talk show. I just don't understand it. The one that you can add on here very recently has been Cody Rhodes. Um, I personally um, for foresaw the win against Sammy Guevara coming. I mean, if nobody's gonna put yourself, if nobody's gonna put you over, you know, nobody put yourself over better than yourself. So, I think Cody Rhodes being the TNT champion right now uh, cut Sammy Guevara's reign short by a lot. I think Miro, out of all three of them, had the most successful. TNT Championship run. I, I'm not a huge fan of Sammy Guevara's promo work. Um, I think he's very... I think that he speaks very eloquently. I just think that the tone in which he uses is still a little forced. Whereas Miro's... Whereas Miro's vignettes and what he was doing uh, I thought was miles better. And then Cody Rhodes, it's like every couple of months... He's making this impassioned promo and taking shots at WWE or NXT or the Forbidden Door 
or whatever he does or whatever he wants to do because he's an executive within within all elite wrestling so you can just come out and say what you want to say and that i think that was the most evident on this past week's episode of dynamite it was a very strange promo and i think that some of the things he said didn't need to be said but to put a pin in it i think cody rose can be added to this list Moving on to the comeback of the year. Um, I don't have a problem with this list, per se. I think it's a little out of order, and I think there is one person missing. Um, so the winner of this, they gave to CM Punk, followed by Sting, Christian Cage, and Becky Lynch. I would put Christian as the winner, followed by CM Punk, followed by Sting, followed by Becky Lynch. Uh, I think that Christian's body work speaks for itself and what he's been able to do this year. Um, he does hold a singles victory over Kenny Omega by hook or by crook. <laughs> he had a match against Josh Alexander in which uh, he lost the title, which I thought was a great match. Uh, CM Punk has had good matches since his return. Um, his match against Darby Allen at All Out was great. Um, his match against Eddie Kingston was good. Uh, I think his match against MJF will, will be a little underwhelming. But I do think that he deserves to be on this list. After seven years of being on the, you know, on the bench, coming off cold, you know, there's that. Sting keeps, keeps doing it. I don't know how. Uh, I mean, Sting is 62, and he's doing things that normal 62-year-old men should not be doing. Becky Lynch, uh, you know, her long uh, maternity leave, coming back, defeating Bianca Belair, and we'll cover that later. Uh, and then, you know, being being a champion now in 2021, um, now carrying that over into 22, um, I think speaks to the uh, comeback aspect of that. I think that one person that we have not talked about that deserves at least to be talked about is W. Morrissey. He has made a huge impact, no pun intended. He's been in uh, high-profile storylines. His in-ring work is better than it was in WWE. His promo skills are better than they were in WWE. His comeback in life, I think, is one that needs to be mentioned as well. I just think that overall, W. Morrissey deserved to be on this list, and he's not. Uh, so moving on to most improved wrestler of the year. We'll move down the thing here. Uh, so the winner of this, uh, they've crowned Britt Baker, followed by Bobby Lashley, Trevor Murdoch, and Deanna F. Imperazzo. What? Okay, so... I would take Deanna Prazo off this list, for sure. Um, I would replace her with Carmelo Hayes. Carmelo Hayes um, has had a dynamite of a year. I think matches against Adam Cole, uh, Roddy Strong have made this very clear that he is a star of the future. I don't know whether they will... Whether WWE and 2.0 will let him be that star, but I do think that there is hope for him. Now, I hope they don't put him in the swerve category because if we're, if we're talking about it, I think swerve obviously got the raw end of the deal here. Uh, when we see, uh, Shane Strickland back here, um, in just a little bit once his 90 days are up. Um, he'll be one of the hottest commodities on the independent scene. Carmelo Hayes has everything. Absolutely everything. And then from 2020, 2021, I don't think there's been a bigger improvement. We will move on to Indie Wrestler of the Year. Uh, the winner was Nick Gage, followed by Trisha Dora, Tony Deppin, and Effie. 
no problems here. There is an argument, I believe, for Calvin Tankman. Um, we have seen him a handful of times this year uh, since things started opening back up. Uh, he, we've seen him in matches against Mance Warner, uh, Stallion Rogers. Uh, gosh, he was in that four-way that we saw on Halloween. But um, with Next Generation Wrestling Tennessee, check him out, nextgentn.net. Um, but no, every, everything here is fine. Moving on to the inspirational wrestler of the year. Uh, moving there, uh, the winner was Edge, followed by Bianca Belair, Big E, and Mickey James. No problems here. If you want to swap Edge and Bianca Belair, I don't have a problem with it. Um, I think the other two are warranted for this list as well. And then now the last category that, um, other than the Lifetime Achievement Award, which we can discuss, but uh, looking at the Rookie of the Year, the winner was Jade Cargill, followed by Braun Breaker, Bad Bunny, and Brock Anderson. So I think Jade Cargill was was the number one clear choice from the jump. Um, and then Braun Breaker with the, uh, since his debut on 2.0 has been nothing but spectacular. Uh, promo skills, just oozing charisma. And his in-ring works good too. And then the other two on this list, Bad Bunny and Brock Anderson. I honestly don't think Brock Anderson is that great of an in-ring worker yet. Now, he is only 24, so there is there is a lot of growing still to do. Uh, he had his debut match in June of 2020, or, yeah, of 2021. What, what am I thinking? Um, but, yeah, I, I think that both him and Bad Bunny, um, I don't think there were really two other arguments to be made here for this category so just throw them in there <laughs> and the winners of the lifetime achievement award for 2021 were terry funk and ron simmons also known as farouk so that does it for um that does it for the pro wrestling illustrated awards now i want to throw out here some of my own awards here for 2021 um Let's talk about, we talked about the match of the year. Let's talk about the least enjoyable match of the year. Um, I have Omega versus Mox as not really runner-up, but just one worth noting. I think that the end of the exploding barbed wire death match uh, will be uh, replayed in the, in the annals of AEW history. No match pissed me off more this year than Alexa Bliss versus Eva Marie at SummerSlam. And I will tie this match into what I consider to be the worst storyline of the year, Alexa Bliss and Lily. <laughs> Amazon. Um, so Bliss's 2021 has been very up and down. Started... Um, with her match with Randy Orton, uh, the appearance at WrestleMania, which is the last time we saw Bray Wyatt or The Fiend, and then came back on the programming with a doll named Lily, and I, 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 I hate it. <laughs> Alexa Bliss is so much better than this, and now she's back on TV, and now she's with, um, you know, she's with a psychiatrist. And no mention of Lily yet. But the entire storyline with Lily and Dewdrop and Eva Marie, I'm throwing in Shayna Baszler, I'm throwing in Nia Jax, the whole freaking thing that you are, that you have the powers and the ability to. Make other people hit each other, but yet you're losing matches. 
it, it blows my mind how, how, how idiotic this is. And then to the match itself between Bliss and Eva Marie, I never wanted to get out of a room as quick as this. Um, there is one other match, but that's further down my list here. Um, Eva Marie shouldn't be employed. I don't even think that um, she has really anything to bring to the table. I think that Bliss in this match did her best to carry, but when you have, I'll be very kind here, when you have 100 pounds of dead weight you have to carry around the ring for uh, six, seven minutes, I want to say, you know what, I'm looking it up now because it pissed me off so much. And I just need to know. Oh, sorry. Three minutes and 50 seconds. Good God. Okay. Um, I thought this thing was way longer because it felt that way. Um, but I, it, it was so bad. Alexa Bliss deserves better as my Amazon keeps clicking off and on. Uh, we, we could have done so many other different things in this spot and we didn't. Coming off of that, I want to talk about the best storyline I thought of 2021. Um, and Hangman Adam Page winning the world title. That whole, the whole thing from start to finish. Best storyline. Best long-term storyline writing in recent memory of... Of, of the alcohol problem of Hangman, him not being able to trust, you know, the Dark Order, and then now buying into the Dark Order, and then now sacrificing his world title match to be in a match with the Dark Order, and then coming back, winning the casino ladder match, facing Kenny Omega after, after Omega saying, you've never won the big one, you're not going to win the big one. And then him finally winning the big one. <laughs> um, it, it was just absolutely wonderful story writing, and it deserves to be recognized. We'll talk about the best and the worst moments next. Um, so, do we want to start with the best and the worst? Um, I've kind of already spoken on the worst, so I'll, 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 I'll touch on it. The worst moment of the year for me, I think, was the rebranding of NXT. And so that would be um, the death of NXT black and gold and then the birth of 2.0. I am, like I said, a realist. I have... I am prone to giving things longer than than, than allowed um, to give things a chance. Um, most of the people within my own personal wrestling circle um, gave up on 2.0 the first episode or two. Some didn't give it a chance. Uh, and you know what? I was even fine with the War Games match, because, first of all, it wasn't a terrible match. It was, it was actually pretty decent. But the right team won, even though the black and gold side was stacked. Um, but then just how everybody was treated on the way out. And, yeah, you go out on your back. That's fine. Um, but you rebrand and you get new titles. First of all, I think um, I think the first episode where Samoa Joe announces that he can't compete and he has to relinquish the NXT championship, perfect time to redesign a new championship. Okay, use that for the show if you can't get a title. Or design built quick enough. Debut it on next week's show. Give it to your champion. Uh, 
the over-the-top wacky characters, um, the stupid names. Um, check out the last podcast entry um, that was posted um, titled NXT 2.0 is just the worst. Uh, and I do, I do want to make note though. Um, I started recording that episode about 15 minutes after, uh, Wal- Walter says that the winner of the match is Gunther. Um, do we just want to kill everything from the past? Kill everything or, you know, kill the hope that everybody is watching that, you know, Walter will climb the ranks. Walter versus Braun Breaker, like, <laughs> it's there. Um, guess we don't want to make money, you know? Wal- Walter is a moneymaker. So, yeah, let's rename him Gunther and then attempt to rename him after a Nazi U-boat commander. Go listen to that episode for more of my rant on 2.0. Uh, but the fact that NSC Black and Gold is no more is is very sad, I think a lot of people have lost their jobs over that, uh, but we've already seen some people cropping up across different promotions. So very thankful that people are finding jobs. As we transition to the best moment of 2021, you know what it is. It's CM Punk's return in Chicago. Uh, you, have, you have fans crying, Punk's tearing up, um, we actually did like like a video chat as it happened um and this is on an episode of rampage uh it was the second ramp rampage if i'm not mistaken but you open up and all you show is just this wide shot of the crowd the rings in the middle the the, the stage and everybody's just chanting cm punk and those first few chords of cult of personality play, and that place is unglued to the point where you, where the crowd is dubbing out cult of personality. Uh, and then what follows is about a nine to ten minute promo of everything you've wanted to hear from CM Punk over the last seven years, even even longer maybe. Um, just everything about it was done perfectly, and I hope that they book CM Punk not to CM Punk's liking, but to help AEW. So speaking of AEW, let's talk about the Forbidden Door. That's right, the Forbidden Door has been opened here in 2021. We had New Japan in AEW, in Impact. We had AEW in Impact. We had Impact on AEW. We're getting ready to have Impact in the Royal Rumble, courtesy of Mickey James. But just everyone's moving around. We've had Impact presence in New Japan Strong, um, we've had Ring of Honor everywhere. Um, so for me, um, and I'll talk about the uh, my least favorite Forbidden Door moment, and that would be Bullet Club and Impact Wrestling. Now, when Jay White appeared at the end of the pay-per-view, um, I... F- I freaked out. <laughs> I freaked out. I woke I woke my wife up. I woke my son up, which my wife ultimately hated. Um, but at the end of Slammiversary, you have you had Kenny Omega go over Sammy Callahan. It was the no disqualification match. There were tacks, there were tables, chairs, barbed wire, all that Sammy Callahan good stuff. Okay. <laughs> then you just have essentially the the elite celebrating and then you just hear it. You just hear Jay White's music hit. You hear the switchblade hit the concrete and 
here he comes. And I thought it was a swerve. I didn't think we were going to get Jay, uh, Jay White, but we did. And I'm, I'm, it was one of the better moments that Impact had as far as Forbidden Door goes. But overall, we're looking at El Fantasmo, Hikuleo, and then now Chris Bay, uh, brought in by Jay White. Now, I don't mind Chris Bay being in Bullet Club. I don't mind that at all. I think the fact that there isn't a greater presence, they're not making Bullet Club the big deal that they are supposed to be, I think that's the problem. And so when when you look at my least favorite Forbidden Door moment, it's actually been just all year, really, with, with Bullet Club. And I think... Um, Jay White being able to stay in Impact and maybe making a bigger presence uh, would have been better. But you know, with with the guys you have now, with what you're looking at, um, I don't think that we're gonna get that big presence that we need. And then, as far as best Forbidden Door moment for me, uh, um, there are a lot of choices here for this one because, like I said, everybody has been everywhere. Um, it's just, just so fantastic. It is Minoru Suzuki in all elite wrestling. And it started in September at all out. We'll, 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 we'll talk about that. Um, John Moxley, uh, Pinned Satoshi Kojima. Um, and then right after that, uh, you, you just, you just hear Kazin Ninare and you already know what's about to happen. Um, Minoru Suzuki comes out to the ring. Nobody announced it. Nobody spoiled it. No dirt sheets. No nothing. Crowd popped hard. You get Kazinare from the crowd. They trade strikes, and then Suzuki hits a gotch style pile driver. Like it, it was it was perfect because nothing was spoiled ahead of time. Nothing was spoiled. Now the matches that came after that, um, he was in a match with Mox. Had a tag team match reuniting Suzuki Goon. Uh, we had Minoru Suzuki versus Brian Danielson for free on YouTube on a Friday. Girl, please. And then Minoru Suzuki went on to Impact, which eh, okay. I mean, it was it was it was crazy to see, but I think that Minoru Suzuki for me debuting. Or I guess showing up at All Out was my best Forbidden Door moment of the year. I want to move on to uh, what I see to be overrated and underrated talent. Um, I'll start with overrated because there are two talents that I think um, are being given a little more than I think they they should. Um one I'll say is my quote unquote runner up, which is Luchasaurus. Uh, I just don't get it, and I don't have to. You know, that's the that's the beauty of professional wrestling is that is that people like Jungle Boy enough, and the concept of Jungle Boy and Jurassic Express enough to like Luchasaurus, and I just don't get it. The movements in ring are slow. The selling is not great. Your gimmick is that you're a dinosaur. That's beyond the point. Just now we're the tag champs. Now I've got to see gold around this stupid dinosaur's waist for another three three to four months. I hope that F FTR comes back around and rips his stupid dinosaur mask off. But... My number one overrated talent, Dominic Mysterio. 
and I'm so passionate about this because Dominic Mysterio is not terrible in ring. He's actually he's he's actually pretty good. Promos are awful. Very they the the tone is that it's very scripted. Um, he wouldn't be signed with WWE if his last name wasn't Mysterio. So is this is this nepotism? You you tell me, okay? If his name was Dominic Jones or gosh, Do, Dominic Suzuki, we 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 were just talking about Minoru Suzuki. So you know, if Dominic's name was anything else, would he have started NXT? Maybe if he was already signed to a developmental deal, would he be on the main freaking roster already? No, and. Here's the thing. For PWI, he was 2020's Rookie of the Year. What? Jeez. <laughs> oh, now, he's only 24. So, I'm hoping that eventually we get something more than from Dominic Mysterio other than he's a Mysterio. Um, now, the, the one thing that does give me hope is his, is his in-ring work because he's been trained by Jay Lethal, Conan, and Lance Storm, but the, the, the promos need work, I think. So let's talk about underrated talent. Um, obviously, Obviously, AJ Styles. I'll just start there. Um, AJ Styles is my pick for for this. And AJ Styles should not be in a tag team, okay? AJ Styles should be a singles competitor. Um, he just had a match against Grayson Waller on 2.0, and that was the best that Grayson Waller's looked. Why? Because you're in a match with AJ Styles. AJ makes everybody look good. In the tag matches he's been in with Omos... Everybody looks good. Why are we not booking AJ Styles as a singles guy? I don't understand this. AJ Styles is still one of the best workers in the world when he's given the opportunity to. So then that leaves me to believe that, you know, maybe his contract is coming up. You know, maybe they don't have faith in him anymore because he's getting older. Uh Baloney. Baloney. Okay. O- Omos is awful. Okay. Let AJ Styles fly like a bird. Okay. My runner ups for this category, I was going to put the X Division in Impact Wrestling as a whole, um, but more specifically, Chris Bay and Ace Austin. Uh, uh, both guys could run the freaking company. This could have been. Um, I I think in the world of Impact Wrestling, this could have been Rock and Stone Cold levels of feud. Um, But we're not going to get that, unfortunately. And, you know, if they're the face of the X Division, that's great. That's that's fantastic because that lets them kind of be who they want to be. But yeah, for underrated talent, those are the guys that first come to mind. Um, I will move on now to um, the best and worst cameos of the year. Um, Kind of uh, what you didn't expect. Um, Maybe they appeared more than once. Uh, My runner-up for best cameo is Ted DiBiase on NXT. I didn't think I would enjoy this feud as much as I did, um, but we saw Ted DiBiase getting um, getting involved in Cameron Grimes' personal affairs um, as far as money goes. Uh, and then he got LA Knight involved. They had a pretty good match. Um, Ted DiBiase was great throughout all of it. Everything fit. We got the Million Dollar Championship back for a short period of time. It was it was great, but you know who had the best cameo? Who had the best deal this this year? Bad Bunny. Uh, Bad Bunny's match at WrestleMania is probably one of the best celebrity matches of all time, and that's in ring work. 
like who and I give credit to Bad Bunny for not half assing it because you know you could have come in, promoted your album, uh, gotten the paycheck, and then just left. But you put in the time, you put in the work, you put him with two safe, credible opponents like The Miz and John Morrison. You put him in a tag team with Damian Priest, who's battling injury. He wasn't 100% healthy, so Bad Bunny had to carry this match for his team, essentially. Uh, which is why he earns Best Cameo for Me and a shout-out from the Wrestling Purist podcast. Worst Cameo also involves The Miz, also involves Damian Priest. The Worst Cameo of the Year goes to the Army of the Dead Zombies, as featured in the absolute classic of a match um, from WrestleMania Backlash. That would be the Zombie Lumberjack match, in which The Miz um, was seen having be devoured by zombies in the middle of the ring, and then just appear on the next night on Raw. Like nothing happened. It just goes to show you, we can do whatever we want on WWE programming. The next day, it doesn't matter. It's gone. It's gone. You know what? While while I'm on this, um, let's just jump right to the least enjoyable pay-per-view of the year. Um, I really almost went with SummerSlam. Um, you had that awful Eva Marie match. Uh, uh, you had the Becky Lynch return. You had the Jinder Mahal Drew McIntyre match. All that was really bad. Um, and even the Cena return match was good. So, when you look at all that, and then you look at Extreme Rules 2021, what happened? Okay, so, we're going to run down this card, okay? Um, the, the, uh, the New Day in six-man tag action... Uh, defeat Bobby Lashley, AJ Styles, Omos. I'm sure. I'm sure that was good. Usos versus Street Profits. Um, they've had they've had better matches. Uh, Charlotte Flair uh, retaining her title against Bliss. Uh, not my not a really great women's match, but Charlotte Flair uh, made it made it work. Uh, Damian Priest defending and retaining. The U.S. title against Jeff Hardy and Sheamus. That was probably the best match of the night. Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair with a no contest. What a stupid ending. And then Roman Reigns defeats the Demon, Finn Balor. First loss on the main roster for the Demon persona. Um, the ending to that was just dog crap. Um, so out of one, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, the pre-show match. Um... There was one, one Extreme Rules match on a card called Extreme Rules. Now, you might be saying, oh, but the triple threat match is no disqualification. Oh, that's not an Extreme Rules match, though. In a pay-per-view you call Extreme Rules, you had the main event, and it wasn't that, that extreme. It was mild. And, like I said, the finish was a joke. It was an absolute awful joke. So, overall, this pay-per-view with a C-grade tag match, B-grade. I would say this is an easy D, a D pay-per-view for me. I struggled to watch this. It was not good. Now, on the other hand... Everybody knows what's about to come. It's the best pay-per-view of the year. The most enjoyable. Because I would say that Extreme Rules was the least enjoyable. Um, most enjoyable for me was All Out. Uh, put on by All Elite Wrestling. You had the pre-show 10, 10-man tag. It got everybody involved that wasn't on the main show already. Uh, Miro 
uh, retaining and defending the TNT Championship against Eddie Kingston. Absolutely great match. Are you talking about Mox and Kojima? Britt Baker retained against Statlander. We already talked about the uh, Steel Cage match for the tag titles. The Casino Battle Royale, uh, which uh, saw the debut of the Joker and the winner, um, which would be Ruby Soho. Um, and furthermore, put the seeds in place uh, for, for Riho's championship match at Battle of the Belts. Um, she was not eliminated from the match. Um, so I don't know if that was done intentionally or not, but either way, I thought it was well done. Jericho defeated MJF. I didn't like the false finish, uh, but everything else was fine. You had CM Punk's return match against Darby Allen. You had a chance to breathe when Paul White destroyed QT Marshall. And then Kenny Omega defeated Christian Cage. And then... My final award, which is the best debut of 2021, or debuts. Um, Kenny Omega says there was there was not a chance of anyone beating him, um, whether they were in AEW, retired, or dead. Obviously referencing Adam Cole, Bay Bay. Uh, Got to the ring, super kick Jungle Boy, big embrace with the Elite. Gets on the mic, says the Elite are unstoppable. Kenny Omega does his goodbye, Mwah! good night. Um, and then interrupted by Brian Danielson. Uh, they clear, they they cleared the ring. Um, it was perfection. I was extremely worried. Um, when I was initially thinking about this and the possibility of a double de- debut, or in this case, if you include Ruby Soho, a triple debut. Um, but I thought that it was very well done. I thought the entire pay-per-view was fantastic. Best pay-per-view we've seen in a while. Uh, but don't worry. AEW marks and WWE marks are all going to say, oh, the next AEW pain pay-per-view is going to be the best of all time. Duh, because that's what they do. Um, look, take it pay-per-view by pay-per-view. You know, not everything that AEW does is perfect, okay? Not everything that WWE does is crap, okay? This is why in professional wrestling, I like to say that, you know, give give it a shot. If you're just going to constantly put down WWE... For, you know, crappy storylines and not giving it a chance, and then you hear about a new storyline, and that's and then you don't give it a chance because of the because you've been previously burnt before, you know, is not a reason to not give it another chance. Okay. Same goes with AEW. Just because they have a pretty good track record doesn't mean they can't put out some stinkers every now and now and again. And I'm not talking about just overall shows, just maybe there's a match that doesn't click for you. Maybe there's a promo that doesn't do it. Not everything they do is perfect. Which is why I say, give everything a chance, please. With that being said, this is the end of my 2021 Professional Wrestling Awards quote-unquote show. Um, I do want to thank Pro Wrestling Illustrated all of the information uh, with the winner and the three runner-ups I got from them and their magazine. So thank you very much. Uh, please, guys, don't forget to go to the Twitter page. The Twitter page has everything. It's at the WP underscore pod. That's T-H-E-W-P underscore pod. If you like what you're listening to and you'd like to support the show, please head on over to Buy Me a Coffee. That's buymeacoffee.com backslash T-W-P-P-O-D. That's T-W-P-P-O-D. Um, anything would be greatly appreciated. As we head into the weekend, now Jeff Hall and myself are supposed to go to uh, United Elite Wrestling's 
show called Ignition tomorrow. Uh, There's a chance for some inclement weather, so that's a big question mark. But if it's not that, it's going to be GCW's debut in the Hammerstein Ballroom. We'll look at that in the morning. Um, as we get ready for beach break next week, uh, the Royal Rumble is next Saturday. That's coming around the corner. And on Sunday, regardless of what happens, Jeff and I are coming back with another retro review. It's going to be WWE's Royal Rumble 2014, so you don't want to miss that. Um, and above all, guys, support local wrestling. Stay pure. We'll see you next time.